Rabbis Ephraim Goldberg, Philip Moskowitz, and Josh Brody from Boca Raton Synagogue schmooze about contemporary issues. Every week features an unscripted, lively discussion, special guests, and a behind-the-scenes look at leading a large and dynamic Jewish community. Welcome to Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined for a few laughs with the world-renowned Jewish comedian Modi. Also, the rabbis share their thoughts and concerns as Boca Raton Synagogue prepares to reopen. And which rabbi might count a full 49 days of Sphira for the first time? All this and more, Behind the Bima. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bima. Behind the Bima, episode 8. My name is Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, honored to host you, and I am accompanied by our incredible panelists, Rabbi Philip Moskowitz, Rabbi Josh Brody. It's Wednesday night, 9 o'clock. That can only mean one thing, and that is, we are going where, gentlemen? Behind right. the Bima. That's right. We're going behind the Bima. We've got an incredible night planned for you tonight. Got breaking news. Got, this might be the got, biggest night ever. We've got breaking news. We've got special guests. We've got fascinating task force updates. We've got um, raffle. We've got surprise guests who may join us tonight. It's an incredible lineup. But let's begin by making a l'chaim to life. We're here. We're healthy. We're happy. And uh, things seem like they're getting better, even though we're not yet there by a long stretch. Everyone has to continue to be careful. And so to everyone, to our, our, our listeners, and to my dear colleagues and friends, we say l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim. Wait, we're leaving one out second, a big one part second, of we're not tricking. Hold on, just, hold on, hey, hold on. Hey, now. The Goldbergs What's had some on? big news today that I want to make a l'chaim about. We did? What happened? I didn't hear. Mazel tov, Rabbi Ephraim and Yocheved Goldberg on the engagement of their daughter, Atara. Ooh, Mazel tov! Mazel tov! I heard that rumor. L'chaim, l'chaim to Huge. my daughter, Atara. I love my Atara. She's a sweetheart. And Kalev Minsky, my new son, is just, uh, he's golden. He's outstanding. It's incredible. His parents, who are now my new brother and sister, Bruce and Jill, thank you for giving Kalev to us and to the world. What a special boy. And uh, super exciting. The only thing I could say is I wish it for everyone. We should have simchas. Uh, we'll get into later. We don't have a lot of time now. Maybe the complications of trying to have a simcha during coronavirus. And those are only compounded when you're a community leader and the eyes are upon you and you paint the target on your chest. So you have to figure out how do you unroll it? How do you announce it? Not only how you can do everything right for yourself, for your safety, for your well-being, how you can be an example. It's not easy, not easy. Whatever few hairs were left on my head are now gone. But again, I take that problem any day of the week. It's such a bracha. And for that, we're so grateful to the Almighty. Thank you. L'chaim, l'chaim to everybody. I am so, uh, That's number one. One second. Was, was, is it true that when you Man. met the, the future Mechatanim that they said, one second, you're Rabbi Goldberg from Behind the Bima? <laughs> I'm not going to say whether they asked for an autograph or not about Behind the Bima. I can't uh, say that here on the air. Uh, but I will say it was it was more exciting than any sheer I give or any article I've written is when they heard that that we are in fact the team that is behind the Bima. So it's great. Tell us a little Maybe bit about him. What, what's Kalev like? Tell us. I haven't met him. Kalev's a great guy. Let's come back to him later because we've got a lot to cover tonight. Not that I would want to dismiss him or diminish him. He is uh, he's everything. Today is his day. It's Atara's day, and we're going to come back to that. It's super super exciting. Uh, but we got a lot to cover, so we're going to come back to it, and maybe we'll even have Kalev on the air. And introduce wow. him to the world. First time. Find out a little bit about him. So as I said, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about. But I want to thank our sponsor for tonight, our good friend, a BRS community member, Mark Bienenfeld. Mark's a great guy, a smart guy, and uh, he has works for BLS Financial. 
He is part of Bienenfeld, BLS Financial, an amazing uh, group and organization taking care of all of your insurance needs. And, you know, it's a depressing topic talking about disability insurance, life insurance, and all those kinds of uh, long-term care insurance. But if COVID-19 has taught us one thing, it's that you can never be too ready. And God forbid, you know, this is the kind of thing that you're happy to spend money and never, ever use. You're eager to never have to need it or use it. But, you know, the, the world that we see today just can't afford to take care of people who don't have insurance. And it's not necessarily fair to put that on the community. So if you have insurance needs, call our dear friend Mark Bienenfeld, M-B-I-E-N-E-N-F-E-L-D, Bienenfeld at blsfinancial.com. Or you could just go to blsfinancial.com and you can find him there. There's no better time than the present to take care of all these needs and uh, reach out to him. He's really, he's an expert. He's great. He's personable. He's loyal. And you can trust him. Do you guys have good life insurance? I do. You know, when I first bought life insurance, the person told me, he said, don't call it life insurance, call it chas v'shalom insurance. Ooh, interesting. Right, as you said, you don't, hopefully, please God, you never need it, but you always want it there if you do. That's very religious. I thought we were getting a free policy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, we, we got the Shabbos light and we've got our, our J-Fetter hats and we thought we were each getting a million dollar policy tonight, but the truth is you'd never benefit from it anyway. You know, thank God you wouldn't need it for a long, long time. So, but you know, run Simone. I'll tell you, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, Ramosha Feinstein was asked about buying life insurance. Do you lack trust in God? Do you lack bitachon? Do you not have faith if you if you buy insurance? God will provide. God will take care. God will keep you alive. What are you buying insurance for and spending the money on that premium, particularly term insurance, which uh, which is gone after you spent it 10 years, 20 years? I'm just trying to impress you guys a little bit now. Whole life, term. <laughs> Sounded like Glenn, Glenn and uh, Saving Mark mechanism. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, Mark is your guy. Don't put that burden. Don't not love the people in your life. Take good care of them. Call Mark. He'll take good care of you. So we're very grateful to, uh, to Mark for his sponsorship tonight. We are going to be joined in uh, just a few minutes by one of the pr- premier Jewish comedians of our time. I mean, we, we know him already for a little while. I think his breakout, probably his breakout performance was what? The Bokerton Synagogue Dinner a few years ago? For sure. When was that? What year was that? I'm not sure if, if our friend Matthew is listening. Maybe Matthew can share with us. Or where's our fact checker? What I'm year going five years ago. I'm going five years ago. We are not going to bring up any um, any of the other comedy performances at Shul Dinners, but uh, but Modi was a home run. The, he wasn't the one that didn't work, right? No. He wasn't Modi the one was, who walked off stage after five for, minutes. For everyone listening, that's not him. Yeah, no, Modi was a home run, and, and he's always a home run. And, um, you know, the whole idea and the essence of Behind the Beam, what we're going to try to do tonight, we try to do every week, is not, you know, Modi's not invited on to do a comedy set. He's invited on for us to go Behind the Beam with him to find out a little bit more about his life, what makes him tick. And uh, I'm sure even in a casual conversation, he ends up being funny. So we're excited. We're looking forward to bringing, uh, to bringing Modi on. So that's going to be really, uh, that's going to be really fantastic. Um, update on the, on the task force, what's happening. We spent, uh, what, like four or five hours yesterday alone in meetings, debates, deliberations, with masks, walking the campus, security team, custodial team, what would it look like to be able to, uh, to come back? Now, we've been encouraged to say not reopening because reopening suggests that you're coming back to the way it was, which we're not. So it's not reopening. It's, it's sort of reconvening. It's, I don't know what the right phase word one. is. Phase one. Yeah, it's and phasing. we were never closed. It's phasing. Right. BRS was never closed, but the campus was closed. Right. So um, that's been tough. I mean, Rabbi Moskowitz, you want to share what, what some of the debate we, we've had debate with each other. We've listened, as we, we've listened as we've debated ourselves in front of one another, but it's really complicated. Sometimes it's easier to be out there, the armchair uh, quarterback, and uh, kind of tell the leadership, this is what you should be doing, and here's the easy decision. But when you're behind that desk or when you have to make that decision, it's a lot harder. And I see, 
I, oh, thank you. Was that a joke? <laughs> I, see, I see our dear friend Rabbi Gibbers watching. Rabbi Gibbers worked with us closely uh, with all our other colleagues, and, and we schwitz this out. It's really, really tough figuring it out. So Rabbi Moskow, share with everybody, what are some of the things that we're trying to decide or weigh? What makes it so yes, tough? Yes, I'll, t- I'll take people behind the beam a little bit. I think in our, we've been working together 10 years now. I think we may have had our most vigorous debates over the last few days that we've had in 10 years. I mean, you and I were in a, in a very healthy, respectful, obviously, way, but we were really going back and forth. And, and part of the struggle is, you know, you're balancing medicine, you're balancing religion, and you're balancing logistics. We're a very right. large show. We have about 900 right. families. And when you open up for Minyanim, even in a modified fashion, you got to figure out a way to get that many people into Minyan, off campus, socially distanced, security blocking people from who aren't supposed to be there. And there's right. an enormous amount to go into it. So whether you open up with Shacharis, Minchamarev, whether you just do Minchamarev, whether you go into Shavuos, whether you don't go into Shavuos, Torah reading, not, not Torah, go into Torah reading, there are a myriad Literally a myriad of issues, both parking lot outside your car. Whoa! Whoa! Look who is here. He's about to hang up. Don't go. (laughs) It's connecting to audio. First first of all, I got to do the top button unbuttoned. I I think I'm going that. What? What? Modi, can you hear us? I want you to know it was great having you, Modi. (laughs) That's the best. That's the appearance we've ever had. Yeah, that was great. See here, having some technical. yeah, by the way, let's pretend that we're yeah. not so like... Oh, maybe he was testing it. Maybe he was testing. He was teasing us. He's coming back. Cameo. Quick cameo appearance by Moody. <laughs> so yeah, big debate. So, you know, do you do, do, you do the, the, the space distanced minion in the parking lot and people can only stand outside their car every other spot empty? Do you find uh, and designate empty areas on the campus? Who polices and monitors? Who's going to be the bad guy who chases them off? Do you do 13 to 65-year-olds, only people saying Kaddish? You know, I'll tell you, I was, I was really moved very early on. I was on a uh, conference call that had Rav David Kohn, the Gvul Yaivetz, Shlita, a great posek, associated with the Haredi world. And when someone said, well, we'll close off the women's section so we could fit more men. This was at the very beginning of it when we were still meeting inside. Um, I just saw Jeffrey Kimmel joined on Facebook. I thought it was Jimmy Kimmel. I got really excited. But he was on from I'm, <laughs> Jeffrey. I'm excited Almost. for you also. But but I thought you know Modi was bringing on the the big guns too. So um, so Rav David Kohn Shlita said um, the women's tefilos. What's to say the Nashim Tzidkanius that their heartfelt prayers are not holier and more effective than than the men? And he said at the outset, God forbid that we would ever deny or deprive the women. Now obviously it's a different it's a different situation right now. Um, so it's complicated. We're still figuring it out. This is moving in real time. I will tell you this, just as a, a little bit of a teaser, that at the end of, as a, of our deliberations yesterday, we had a plan and we started executing it. And then we're tracking the numbers today and it could be a little bit spike in our county in Palm Beach County. So this is a game time decision. We're waiting until Friday, maybe Sunday to, to analyze the data with the experts and figure out whether we are coming back. Monday is two weeks from phase one of Palm Beach, which is what the OURCA guideline was. Technically, it meets that guideline. We'll see. Now, there are other shows in South Florida that have announced that they're opening, right? That was, uh, Rabbi Brody, you just sent us uh, an email yeah, from Shul in Bell Harbor. have opened up. Yeah, the Shul right. in Bell Harbor is about to open up for Shavuos. Right. Yeah, so there are. We'll see. We'll see. The governor of New York made a big announcement today. You guys see that announcement? Shows can open in New York. Said 10 people, religious activity. New York is not near... Um, we, we are with the numbers. So, you know, the problem is, and, and, and just to give some people some behind the beam a look at, at these kinds of questions is um, oh, our fact, our, our fact yeah. checker has just, late. Joined. He's late. He just missed mode. We're already, we're already missing one fact. 
Fact checker, what year was Modi at the BRS Shul dinner, his breakout performance that really launched his career to the next level? Um, he'll find that out for us in the meantime. So, so yeah, one of the big deliberations is um, do, do you rely on the government? Not that we distrust the government, but meaning is the Jewish community standard the same as whatever the health department is? Do we say, you know, we, we rely on and we follow the health department or no? We have pikuach nefesh and we have different standards and we are following different uh, levels of, uh, of importance in terms of... Uh, in terms of protecting life. And therefore we're not going to simply do what they do. And then there's a whole, what will the marketplace tolerate? So in Palm Beach County, Boca Raton, right today, Monday, what's today, Wednesday? Today, Wednesday. You, could have, you could have played golf and tennis, gone to the mall, got your Manny Petty, Brody rumored to have Manny Petty every week, and, uh, and then uh, met someone for lunch. Restaurants can now have 50% seating capacity indoors. You could do all of that. And then, but what, you can't stand on a street eight feet apart from nine other people to be able to say Kaddish if you're a mourner. So, you know, will the market bear that if it doesn't seem consistent or congruous to every other area of their life? What do you guys think? Are you getting a lot of questions, by the way? Are people telling you you need to open congregants? I, I get two emails. I get two types of texts and emails, and I get many of them every day. Some say, you rabbis are the worst. You're not protecting us. You're not doing everything you need to do. They were saying you're not really doing a good job keeping the people who shouldn't be here out, and that was before. My daughter got engaged. That's the email I say. Right. So there's that, there's that whole demographic who says, you know, your rabbis are the worst. You claim to be protecting us. You're not really extreme. You're not taking care of it. You're not extreme enough. Everyone's talking Lush and Hara about you. Those are the one type of text or email I get. And then the other one is, and including from doctors, by the way, who are like, what's going on? I've gone back to so much of the rest of my life. I, I want to dive with a minion already. With a mask, distanced. Nobody's saying put us back in shul, sitting right on top of each other. But nobody's in the middle that says, hey, this is a tough decision. Just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Good luck. Oh, he's back. There he is. He's back. Modi, we about tough decisions. I think he Modi. buttoned the button since we last saw him. Modi, you back? I'm back. How are you? We hear you, Modi. It's great <laughs> to see you, man. Welcome back. I'm uh, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, joined with Rabbi Philip Moskowitz, Rabbi Josh Brody. And it's been a few years. We had you at our Boca Raton Synagogue Shul dinner a bunch of years ago. And we said, I want you to know, we, we thought that might be your breakout performance. That's really when, when the Jewish world discovered you and that launched your career. And it really launched our synagogue. We were like 10 families. But after you performed at that dinner, <laughs> the truth is we are up to close to 900 families. So that was mutually beneficial that, that evening. That, now we should actually pay for the, for the job. Nah. Instead of negotiating. <laughs> Wait, the, that check cleared. It was, um, no, you guys were a big shul. No, we're a big shul. I'm joking. We were a big shul yeah, back then too. Yeah. We're a big shul. So thank you for being with us. We know you're busy these days and we're all following you online. And I got to tell you, you know, as the rabbis and the Talmud said, there's a special place in heaven for the people who keep us laughing in hard times. And, uh, and you're one of those people. So this has been a tough time and we know we could turn to you and Yoeli and you both keep us laughing. We thank you for that. Is there a special place in heaven for people who really worry about what their backdrop is? What you <laughs> are you <laughs> what hotel, what hotel yeshiva are you sitting in right now? It's, it's, a, it's a fake wall of books. I actually and, printed out a poster why, of books. Why, why is uh, Ben Gurion on this chat also? What is that like? What are you? I mean, I'm just covering up the big TV. <laughs> are you playing against BB? What are you doing over there? Uh, that's good stuff. I'm actually Modi. My my congregants think we're clowns because we have this show on Wednesday night. So I figured I put all these religious books behind me, and they'll know that I'm actually a great budding scholar and working on that too. So you know, Modi, I I, I know your comedy. I follow it and I love it. But I, I'll be honest. I googled you because I wanted to do my homework for tonight. And my first question is. 
Do people confuse you often with the current prime minister of India? It's it's not fun. I get a lot of I get a lot of like <laughs> stuff um, on social media. People thinking I'm him, sending me like rants and raves about how poor they are and how they're being hard. <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous. But uh, have you tried Have you tried to purchase his Twitter handle? Or you know, Modi was taken by him. No, have you negotiated not, that? Not by him. It's by a rug company. There's a oh, yeah? company out of India that owns all the Modi stuff. Modi's like a Schwartz in India. It's a family <laughs> name. It's a family name. But um, what? Well, so so who who's who's the main people watching this? We got we Come got on. people. I want you to know something. We got we got a big crowd right now on Zoom. We got a big crowd watching on Facebook. The show goes on YouTube, and by tomorrow, it's put up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever people listen to podcasts on. It's published as a podcast. So we're, this is actually our eighth episode, and wow. uh, it's probably the most popular thing that we've done. It's we got sponsors lined up for for weeks and months ahead. People are really excited by it. So, Definitely but, more than any drush we've ever given. Yes, but Modi, we're 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 excited, and and you know you've been lending your expertise and your comedy everywhere. We don't want you on to perform. We want you on to go behind the beam to get to know you a little bit, because you know you see someone who's a performer, and you get curious. You don't really know about them. So my first question for you is, how'd you come to Yaley? Where, where did Yaley come from? I know way back when you did the going to Hollywood, Hollywood. And in fact, one of our great members, the great Jonathan Rackman, has a cameo. I think he did the casting for that video. Jonathan Rackman is the Saramashkim of the Boca Raton Synagogue community. Oh, wow. He's our real expertise and a real pillar of our community. And uh, he makes a big cameo in that. Yeah, he, um, he plays the cab driver or something, right? And, That's right. Yeah, That's right. And, uh, That's right. He was a part of, he helped, we, we were all in, in New York and he came to, to, we came to LA, he helped us coordinate a whole bunch of things and um, it was a one day shoot. It was very simple and very fun and um, we, we had a great time with him and he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. He's a good man. So how did, how did you come to Yoeli? Is, is it in your background? Do you have family? Uh, Yoeli for this, the, when the quarantine began, I'm home and I'm, you know, I'm watching, well, you know, I don't really watch the news. I, I don't put the, I haven't put the TV on yet. And I'm being completely honest with you. I don't have to Fox. I catch a headline once in a while on the internet and just maybe follow up with it. But I will never, put, I don't put the TV on, so I don't listen to what's happening out there. But I saw all the really bad press that the Hasidic community got. And they're like, there's two sides of the story. I really felt bad for them, and, this, and I just like was playing around with what Yoeli would say, and then the things happened with the keys, and the things happened with like you can't touch your face, but you can fakazel your payas, and so all those types of stuff. I just started doing videos about him, like right. what's he going through with the quarantine, and uh, very neutral and fun, and not uh, hurting to any Hasidic community. That, that was the goal of Yoeli. And, but the, the reason Yaeli works, it's so compelling. And the reason it's hilarious is because it's so real. You sound so Hamish. So what's, what's your background that you're able to really channel that? Is that as an actor, you learned it? Uh, is it part of your own background? Do you have family members? Why, how does it come across so naturally for you? Having grown up Baptist, I, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been around them. I perform in them. You know, I performed in your shul. Where right. it's like you have some from people there, and you—if I remember right—then you have like the older people who are like they, they just like to be a part of a shul. Right. They—they they, they haven't been bothered with the fact that the shul's been closed for a few months. They're, right. they're okay. Like, oh, you tell us when it's reopened. We'll 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 find parking. 
Um, and then, um, what was I saying? It, uh, the dinner, we had a big mix. We got the Sfarim, the Ashkenazim, the older, the younger. Right, but what... Yaeli. Yeah, but what, what, what brought me to that? Because I was asking your familiarity, the accent, the shtick, oh, the Yaeli, no, the, Yid- the Yiddish. I, right, so I perform in your show, but I perform in very, very orthodox settings as well, and with very orthodox people. Sometimes I'll do a show literally where it's like, uh, Rosh Yeshiva this and Meshgiach of that and the head of Yeshiva of this and the head, the, the Goin Gadol Ador and Modi. Literally, that would be the ad, you know? So I'm in these circles a lot. I pick up the nuances. Yiddish I know from the house and my grandparents, even though it's a completely different Yiddish. It is a completely different Yiddish from what they speak. And right. um, and I just focused on uh, learning the character, and you, you build the character in your head, and you go with it. And that was what Yoli was. So let me ask you a personal question, then I'll let my, my friends ask. But, um, and, and you can feel free not to answer, but did, did you grow up Hasidic? Did you have Hasidic in your background? Uh, I know I, I didn't see you. My parents were Israeli. We grew up very traditional. I'm just able to absorb uh, all these things. I went to Lubavitch Yeshiva, so I, you know, the Yiddish from Sichas and that kind of stuff. And, um, but we didn't grow up like Yoeli. I gotcha. I gotcha. You, do you get nervous before you perform? When you, when you see your name after Rosh Hashiva, Mashkiach, Rosh Hashiva, Gadol Ador, Modi. No. And you get up there and you see favorite. all the Rosh Hashivas behind oh, you. Oh, that's my favorite, my favorite. I just did, I don't know if you guys saw this last week for Lagba Omer, is, uh, they did the, um, the telethon. And... When I was, so it was set up in this hall in Brooklyn where like weddings happened and they had the band and they had the choir and they had a stage for the performers, the singers, and they had a host stage back there. So like they went from us to them, us to them. And so all the rabbis and the head yeshivas and there was some from, from rabbis. One of them said no more hashtag because there's, um, He's seeing w- women sending pictures, and it was like that. It was like that. So there, every time I grabbed the mic and talked, they were like, what, what's going to happen <laughs> next, you know? And I had some great lines where I said, um, I said, you know, we were raising money from Lakewood and Williamsburg and, uh, and Borough Park and Crown Heights. I go, I said, everybody in these communities that's so religious should definitely be paying more because they get to see a show and it's not separate seating. <laughs> you know, so, exactly those kinds of jokes but no i don't get nervous i know the limits i know the the borders i know my audience you have to know your audience and I, nothing makes me nervous only thing makes let me, me ask you this sound and, and and lighting what you get nervous when you do a roast when, you, when you're ripping the president or you're ripping i've seen some roasts that you've done and some really edgy stuff when you, when you do the edgy stuff are you worried about backlash or politics or no 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 no, no. i did um Joe Lieberman roast, and I did yeah. uh, Ben Shapiro roast, and again, I know that room. It's like a very specific room. It's like a Comedy Central audience. It's very rich Jewish New Yorkers who lean towards the right, and they know. I know what the joke they have, and what what what, what their boundaries are, and how much in the organization hiring me has to kiss the tuchus of the people that are on it. And so there's a fine line, but that's so when you're, you're doing when you're a, roast, so you're doing a. Sorry, now you're doing a lot of preparation then. Before you go into an audience, you're doing a lot of preparation. Who's there? What types of jokes are going to fly? Well, for a roast, yes. For a show like uh, in, the, in Boca, 
I look at the audience, I see what we have, and I work with it. I know, you know, I... I when, let me ask you this. When you, when you roast Ben Shapiro, is it because you, you believe those jokes? Like, do you disdain Ben Shapiro? Or are you, does his politics drive you crazy? Or no, maybe even Ben Shapiro is compelling for you, but you're roasting him. So you got to go after the jugular. You got to go for the, uh, you the got, soft spot. You got to go for the joke. You got to go for the laugh. That's your job as a comedian. Um, uh, I do, to be honest with me, his, the things he said, I really didn't know who he was that much. And I did my research and I was like, wow, ew. And then, um, it's like yucky. And then what's worse is like the guy's yucky when you see his videos and his opinion, but then when you meet him, he's so sweet and so nice. And Ted Cruz is like, hi, how are you? I thought you were great. I'm like, ew, really? You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if your audience is super any which way, but I'm like, you know, it's that's what it is. It's it's a part of the the, the show. It's a part of the, the business. We have to we have to be careful because we may have Ben Shapiro on at some point. Just to, not because of politics. We want to go behind the beam with you know he grew up religious. Eula went to Eula Yeshiva Education LA. And I'll tell you, I have a question for him that I have for you too. Is that you know for him in his case, you know he's wearing a kippah and he's sort of representing the Jewish people. So much of your humor is built on the Jewish community, and and of course it's again it's realistic. You're touching Jackie Mason. We laugh our head off. Jerry Seinfeld when he makes jokes connected to our community. It, it relates, it resonates for us. So do you feel any responsibility or does it weigh on you how you're projecting the Jewish community to a secular or non-Jewish audience? Their impression of the Jewish community is, is through your jokes or now nah, you're, you're, you're trying to make people laugh and whatever it takes. I think that whole thing of wearing a yarmulke and your kiddush Hashem, that went out the door a while ago. I think we can all move on from that, no? Well, we're still, we've got some adversaries in the world. We're still trying to make a good impression. Of course, of course. I mean, but Ben Shapiro and Ayamaka, it's just a part of his, his shtick. He is, he's a genius. The way he gets his point across and nails it and can't be rebuted, you can't, you can't fight him on it, is genius. The fact that he's saying that the gays don't have a right and this doesn't have a right, okay, but you're watching a show. You're watching a show. You know, uh, there's comedians that talk about all kinds of filthy stuff, but if it's funny and done well, you're impressed by it. Yes, he's dirty. Yes, he's talking about something schmutzy, but he's doing it well. It's not just curses for the sake of curses. Don't look at me, the three of you, like you've never seen So what? what no, I'm curious. Hold on. I have so many questions now. Hold on. What is this? What is what's the, the, no, no. What, what's the key then to a good joke, right? You get up there. What's the key to nailing a good joke? Is it timing? Is it the it's time, voice modulation? Timing, delivery, knowing who you're delivering the joke to. Um, it's a whole bunch of things, but, you know, but it's... You know, I saw Jim, one of my friends is Jim Norton and David Tell. These guys are uh, very dirty topics, but they deliver it in such a beautiful way. Ben Shapiro is talking this nourish kite, but he delivers it in such a great way. Just for the record, the behind the bima does neither endorse or reject uh, the <laughs> endorsement or rejection of Ben Shapiro. Or, uh, uh, just as an announcement behind the bima, these rabbis are all bald, but they're putting their yarmulkes in a way. That- <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of this. It's happening right now. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Okay, let's go back. Brody, what do you got? No, so first of all, how, how excited are you right now for this corona? That I mean, there must be so much material. A lot of material. You walk into a Jew in like a shul right now. <laughs> What's going to happen when everything reopens? Yeah, I can't wait for it to reopen. But in the meantime, I've leaned into it. I've been doing these Zoom shows. I've been doing um, videos. I've been, I, I doubled my fan base on, on, on social media, just connecting with people, writing them, talking to them. 
it's been amazing. This this um, the Hatzalah thing was mind blowing. It was absolutely mind blowing. Do you understand that we had forty eight different Hatzalah um, organizations? The viewers, I'm not sure if they know what Hatzalah is. It's the Jewish Ambulance Corps. Um, I, I really don't know. Oh, I'm seeing three rabbis. I don't know who else is watching this. So um, it might just be the three of us. And they're located, no. and they're located all over the world. There's one in Boca, no? There's one in um, oh, South Florida. Boca's South a question. Florida, they want, they want Florida, whatever. And there's, but Australia, Zurich, Geneva, New York, <laughs> LA, and they all came together for the first time. They never do. Each Hatzalah is its own organization. But this thing came together with a Sefer Torah. They, re, they, they inaugurated a Sefer Torah um, because the Baal Shem Tov said, you know, it, 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 one of the cures for a... A plague is to write a Sefer Torah. So they did one, it went so well, they did a second and combined it with this thing. And it was unbelievable. And let me show you, I was a rabbi today too. They asked me to do a video, like a serious video to wrap up a week later after the Hatzalah thing. And they asked me something, what happened? What do you think? And I came up, no, believe me, I could have been a rabbi. I would have been amazing. And the building would be under my name. I promise you. I don't know how you guys are working, but the building would be under my name. Um, no one's laughing, by the way. Audience, the rabbi. Still can be, by the way. It still can be. I had a divorce. Six million dollars. I said, it was the unity. It's called the unity project of all these Hatzalahs and all these Jews coming together. And I said, um, how important it is for unity. And, you know, our enemies teach us the most. You know, our enemy said, Yeshno am echad mefuzah u mefurad ben amim, right? The rabbis are like, wait, 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 wait. somebody hurry up. Where's that from? Where's that from? <laughs> Google. 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 Megillah Sester. So the Megillah Sester, and it's like there's a nation, that there's a nation, there's one nation, but we're separated all over the place. And all of a sudden we came together to fight this, it's really to fight the disease that, 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 that ravaged the Jewish communities, you know, Beautiful. especially in the New York area. But so, I don't know. That That's was a did you ever believe they would raise? Day. What? How much, how much money did they raise at the end of the $15 that, that million. Dollars. It was That's wow. unbelievable. No, no, it was unbelievable. That's amazing. That's amazing. What was your cut? So wait, hold on. So, Modi, you said you could be a rabbi. Here's my question, because you're talking to three rabbis here. And, and my biggest fear in the rabbinate, literally, yes. is starting off a sermon with a joke. Because if that joke flops, you're like finished. I mean, you're like playing catch up the rest of the time. Do you ever have that when you tell a joke? You're, you're nervous about the delivery. What if it flops? How do you recover from it? What advice would you have to three unfunny rabbis trying to tell jokes to yeah. start off sermons? You guys are not, not funny. I know Rabbi Ephraim is, is very funny. And, um, and you guys have this advantage. They are not looking for a joke from you. They're not looking for the joke mm. from you. So you're, they're, they're already, all their guards are down. I, ladies and gentlemen, you've seen them on HBO, comedian Modi. Now they're like, make us laugh. You're just like, you walk up there, you carry, you drop your, your books, you this and that, you think for a minute, you adjust your yarmulke, and then you can, you hit him with a joke. If it hits, it hits. If not, you just go right into the Gemara State and then you go right into it and you go right in and they don't even know you tried to do a joke. It's such a, it's a, it's a win-win for you either way, either I like way. That. I like that. That's so that's advice. the recovery. Just move on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you going to acknowledge it when you sit there for an hour and a half? I've, my wife liked it when she was preparing the chulin. <laughs> 
That's usually that's all right, Modi. We said we said we weren't going to take too much of your time. Anything you want? What do you want the Jewish world to know about you that they don't know that they don't appreciate? You wish they really appreciated more about you, or they don't get about you? Is there something you wish they knew? Nah, be in touch. Just uh, really be in touch uh, at Modi underscore live. I've been really getting to social media. I doubled my followers. I wasn't. I never focused on that stuff. But I'm sitting at home. I'm talking to them. They're telling me their stories. I had amazing, amazing um, communications with people. I, I've been telling these jokes every day. If it's not like a clip or a, or a video, a regular joke. Why? People hear the joke. They, they've heard it a million times. They're reminded of the joke. They tell it to their friend. He remembers a joke and tells it back to them. Now they're, they're busy with the day sharing jokes instead of uh, Dr. Focacci said you can't touch the surface. So you understand it's like a different, it's just, it's just good. So if anything, if you, any of your audience has any questions, visit me at, uh, at Modi underscore live on Instagram and we'll be uh, in touch. And hopefully well, we, be we appreciate it. You know it. We appreciate a lot you're coming on. And I want to just say one of the things I admire about your comedy, um, although we have different perspectives on Kiddush Hashem, but one of the things I admire about your comedy is that you can you can make us laugh keeping it clean. So you talk about the Sephardim, you make fun of the Hatzalah, you talk about things that are real to us, you call us out on our stuff and you, and you keep us laughing. The Yoeli is is hilarious because it's real. And, and that takes, I think, you know, sometimes it's easier when you can use the profanity, you can use the curse, you can use the whatever. When, when you keep it clean and you can still make people laugh, I think it takes an even greater level of intelligence and insight. And I admire that about you. So thanks for keeping us all laughing during this time and other times. Thank and we, we can't wait to bring Thank it back you. to Boca. Stay oh, safe, stay healthy. You. All the best, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Modi. All right, Good thanks for joining you. us tonight. We appreciate it. I'm telling right, you, boys. you should see when, that was when, great. when BRS reopens and people are going to be with this ruler, how far away do you have to stand from one another? What you can do, what you can't do. He's going to have a whole routine. He is. He is. He, listen, yeah. he's a good guy. You know, we, obviously, we don't see the same things. He's not, he's not a perfect. I don't think he's observant in his own life. And, and even though he sounds like, and I think people hold him accountable like this, you know, he sounds like he graduated Bubba when he does his Yaeli character. You know, he went to Vizhnitz. But the truth is, he went to public school. He grew up in Woodmere, went to public school at Israeli parents, traditional but secular. And, um, and so, you know, you shouldn't expect him to be on the same page. You know, we didn't have Modi on because we want him to, to share Das Torah. We had him on to make us laugh and give us some insights behind the beam of what it's like to be a comedian. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I know you guys are that he did because his time is valuable. He gets paid for his time. And he joined us tonight just to make us laugh. That was so, amazing. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's, and uh, he had he's a great Dvar Torah. He did. That was nice. A little throwback to the, uh, to the Megillah. That was good. Boys, I think it might be time for a raffle. A little raffle. raffle. Oh. So we, last week's uh, sponsor... Um, and this week, again, we're so grateful to Mark Bienenfeld of, of BLS Financial, blsfinancial.com. But last week's uh, sponsor, Jay Fetter Jewelers, who's your jeweler? Jayfetter.com, he's from Dora Fetter. They gave us a $500 gift certificate to Jay Fetter Jewelers, $500. And the winner is going to get this laminated gift certificate. You could use it as a placemat. It doubles also as you can put in your windshield to keep your car cool. Or you could turn it in for a $500 piece of jewelry. Um, I don't know if the jewelry may start at like $5 million, so 500, no, I'm just joking. They, they'll work with you. They got some great things there. So we're ready to raffle it off. We said last week that anyone who shares the show is entered in the raffle. So let's do this quickly and get on with the show, but who's going to take us home? Bring us, let's, let's do this raffle live on the air behind the Bima. This is real money. I got it. Five, this go. is 500 smackaroos. $500. $500. Here we go. You should see my screen right now. Here we go. Ready? Oh, the wheel of Look at your names. names. Who's the lucky winner? That that wheel is spinning. How do you wherever stop this it? lands? 
It just stops. Whoa. <laughs> Minna Ooh. Ringelheim. Minna Ringelheim. Minna. Mazel tov. Congratulations, Minna. You are the winner Minna. of a $500 placemat. Now, you are the winner of a $500 gift certificate. Jfeder.com, Jfeder Jewelers, our friends Yisrael and Dvorah will be happy to work with you. And uh, thank you to them. And uh, I, I don't know, can they still get a 20% discount on, on, one, on one piece of jewelry, one item? Is that true? Stroll will work with them. Yeah, they'll work with them for one more week. So listen, the truth is buy the jewelry and then buy the life insurance policy so that you know the person bedecked in the jewelry is not going to look elsewhere because be they want to stay with you because they'll, they'll be protected. They'll have that life insurance policy. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. So we're so really so grateful to all of our, our generous sponsors. So gentlemen, we talked about some of the some of the challenges about reopening the questions and we'll see whether the numbers have spiked hospitalizations, new, new uh, confirmations or not. Palm Beach County, are we in a position to resume outdoor minyanum? Um, do you think people are compliant in general? Do you think that in our community, when I say our community, I don't mean Boca Raton Synagogue. I mean the greater Boca community. I mean the greater South Florida community. Do you think for the most part, people are following the community norms, whatever the community leaders are saying? No, I don't know. I haven't seen anyone. <laughs> Two and a half months. You say, well, Rabbi Brody's been in a bunker underground. <laughs> He's been wearing the same clothing for him. He hasn't showered in three months. Rabbi Moskowitz, though, why do you say no? That was a quick no. That was a quick no. And by the um, way, can we just cut you off for one second? Our chat is wide open. The chat's open on, on Zoom. People are commenting all over Facebook. We love to go back and forth and communicate with you. So let us know what you're thinking. Go ahead. Um, Based on what I see, you know, I'm, you know, me, I'm out walking, running a lot. Um, I see a lot of people not socially distancing, a lot of families where the children are playing with each other within six feet apart. Um, when I'm running off the circle, again, this is not a Boca Raton synagogue issue, but when I'm running off the circle, you know, one of my pet peeves, there has to be an etiquette for how you're walking down a sidewalk, right? Now, if I'm walking one way and you're coming the other way, who moves first? So my theory is if I have a stroller and you're walking, you have to move. If I'm running and you're walking, you have to move, right? If you're riding a bike and I'm walking, I have to move. There has to be an etiquette to that. But what I see out there is that people are not moving. If I'm coming at someone, they won't move. Sometimes, you know, I'll try to move, but they're completely um, irreverent to the rules of social distancing and they simply don't care. I think there's well, a lot of coronavirus fatigue right now. That's I'll tell you what I heard yeah. from my, my mother who goes walking with some of the older- uh, Your folks. mother makes her way on every episode. I, just, I love just her, telling Mrs. You, Brody's you know, the best, but she makes her way to every episode. You know, she, she says that they, her friends, they do socially distance, they keep six feet apart, but they can't hear each other when they're talking to each other. <laughs> Probably better that your mom didn't make an appearance here. <laughs> So I'll tell you this, and then and then we'll move on because we actually have a surprise special guest coming up next. But um, I would say this is that I think people are compliant. I, I agree with you in terms of people are walking too close to each other. People may have even stood in, in a driveway or a backyard too close to each other. But I am blown away with the exception of one of our colleagues in, in an area right near us who had to send out a very harsh letter about a rogue minion. I haven't heard about rogue or breakaway minionum. I found people to be I agree with that. And respectful. So on the individual basis, I agree. I do think that there's some blurring of the line, but it's hard. I think people start six feet apart and then they naturally just gravitate towards each other. But on, in terms of the organized sense of, of rogue organized minyanum, I think people have been extraordinarily compliant and I want to thank the community for that. I'm impressed. I'm proud. And I think they've been good. All I right, agree we got with it. that hundred percent, but yeah, on an individual level, when your kids get involved and kids start hanging out with each other, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to police. 
Yeah, it is. All right. I've got, I've got people telling us enough with the Corona. Nobody wants to talk about that. So we're going to move on from the sad to the happy things a little bit. And um, let's see if they listen to me in one moment, whether they're going to come on. We may get some some special. uh, Are we doing that? Another L'chaim? Like, well, if if they're coming on, I got to make another L'chaim to them. That's fair. Well, let's see what's happening. We're, we're, we're we're having some technical uh, challenges here. I don't see them yet. Let's see. In the meantime, Rabbi Brody, what piano, guitar, you've uploaded every CD that you ever had. What's next for you? DVDs. I got everything up. I found a great DVD of uh, Atara and Avigail when they were two years old. What? What? Speaking of Atara. Whoa. Whoa. There they are. uh, Atara and Kalev. Welcome (laughs) behind the Bima. Episode eight. Sponsored by Mark Bienenfeld, BLS Financial. Atara and Kalev. First of all, Kalev. Yeah, As if the day couldn't get any better for you guys. L'chaim, l'chaim. Yeah, l'chaim. Their atar is too young to drink, but kalef l'chaim. <laughs> um, guys. You know, there's some debate, kalef, when you need to get life insurance. When you get married, once you have your first child, at what point is it irresponsible to go on without knowing that you can protect the people that you love? So now, kalef, that you're engaged, now that it's official, now that it's formal, Kalev, you, you can maybe share with the audience what it was like having to ask for permission to, to marry Atara. I didn't bring it up in that meeting, but I'll bring it up now in front of our whole audience. And, and Mikey, if you're listening, um, life insurance, it's important. It's important. But anyway, Mazel Tov, not for tonight. That's not, that's not the topic for tonight. Mazel Tov, guys, welcome. Did you welcome. go to Mikey for, for advice? What? Did you go to Mikey for advice? Did you ask Mikey for advice? It wasn't so helpful because he, uh, he, I don't think he had such a good experience, so... Mikey, I put Mikey, I put through the ringer, and um, and when it came to college, you know, you know, like your first, you're you're all geared up, you're excited, you prepped. I thought about it, I made phone calls, and I I'm I am a total traditionalist, so I'm a believer. You got to come to the father, you got to ask permission before you're gonna you're gonna propose. And uh, opposite, um, I've still I've yet to ask my father-in-law for permission to marry Ariel. Wow, wow, that's a Boston thing. You guys have no respect up there. So anyway, listen. So Mikey, Mikey came to my office maybe an hour. Khalif, how long was our conversation? Um, I think it was a good five minutes. <laughs> good five minutes. It was a good five minutes. Yeah, By the way, we have, we, have, we have somebody in the chat asking whether I asked permission. Absolutely. <laughs> I asked permission from my esteemed father-in-law, the great Dr. Robert Brookstein, dermatologist in the five towns. And uh, he gave me permission. He may regret it now, but he gave me permission. So absolutely, 100%. What does that mean, though? What are you asking permission for? It's a traditional thing. It's 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 what's right. It's it's the correct thing to do. But but you know, like in the firm world, you knew they were going to get married, right? So what no, we, what was if, he asking if, permission for? Fair calling. Really, why he does it? He's like build no. it up. Like oh my gosh, like you can't marry her until we have the intense conversation, and then they just make all time. It's nothing. In the end. No, there was there was there was an exchange of some divrei Torah that talked about responsibility. There were questions: How do you plan on taking care of supporting? You know that my daughter is the most precious thing in the world to me. I would literally die to take care of her. And if you're not going to take care of her, or if I ever feel it's disrespected, and um, I think that was with Mikey. I think Kalev uh, <laughs> uh, had already proven to himself that that he was going to take good care of her. So, not not that Mikey hadn't, but you're because cool. of the circumstances. No, no. Mikey more than had. Mikey had already for six years. Although I don't, I don't know which is all, more awkward. All this behind or, my back. Yeah. I, I don't know which is more awkward. This or the Ben Shapiro Modi conversation. Right. <laughs> Did you use the Alan Berger line on him? 
No, no. no uh, Mikey's the best. Listen, I'll tell you the truth. Mikey's the best because Mikey was helping Kalev and Mikey was also helping me. He's, you know, we, we both love him. We're both close. So here, here's, you know, we don't want to spend, uh, take too much of your time. Big day for you, engagement day. But tell our audience what it was like. What, what was it like dating? You know, you obviously were dating and you were very serious even before this pandemic ever hit. Kalev had flown down to meet us even before Purim. Um, but what was it like dating over, over Zoom? Andrew? Go for it. Um, well, in the beginning, I think the hardest part was that you didn't know how long this was going to go on. So in your head, it's like, I could probably FaceTime date for like a week, you know, two weeks max. Then you kind of like run out of things to do because it's a lot of talking. So you gotta, you gotta make use of your time on FaceTime and try to, it's registered trademark. Um, and you gotta come up with activities. You gotta like think outside the box. We did um, some painting stuff. We painted together, played some board games, we things like that. We thought of some creative activities too, with the help of a lot of people. A lot of people give us different ideas. That's great. What would you tell? What would you tell young people who are dating? Do you think that you can start dating over Zoom, or it only worked because you were already very deep into the relationship? Can you have a first date over Zoom? No way. Absolutely not. Maybe a first, but you can't. I don't think you continue. You don't know what the person looks like. You don't know how they interact with other people. You know what it's like in person being with right. them. You're, like, you're missing a whole aspect of the relationship. Interesting. Wait, Kalev, hold on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? The Goldbergs know you. Rabbi Goldberg knows you. Atara knows you. Rabbi Brody and I, in the 140 people watching on Facebook and the 133 on Zoom, do not know you at all. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You seem very calm and confident, considering you're marrying into such a prestigious family and you're on such a prestigious show. So I want to know what's behind. What's behind Kalev? What is I heard phone? I would be good friends with your father. Um, we won't talk about that part. Um, <laughs> He's a future, by the way, future guest, Bruce Minsky, future guest. Look him up on YouTube. Okay, Amazing man. musician, future guest on Behind the Bima. Um, so I am currently learning in Sharyashiv. I'm from Muncie. I went to Rishit. I went to um, Torrey County, Burton County, and Teaneck. Um, and yeah. Now I'm kind of just. Hating. Did you did you play any sports in high school? Oh, great question! Thank you for that. <laughs> I actually was a three-time champion in hockey. Storm, right? The storm. Storm. I um, was the captain of a hockey team. I was I played soccer, captain of the soccer team. Played some tennis and track. Captain of track. I, I had a busy, I had a busy high school experience. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe you can play a thing or two. Teaming is 4.0. <laughs> GPA and he's a good boy. He's a good boy, but we don't want to take too much of your time. We don't make this too much about us. So, and I'm getting a lot of texts. I, I may need somewhere to sleep tonight, some socially distanced couch somewhere I'm in big <laughs> trouble. So let me just close by clarifying a few things. I love Mikey Pearl. He's the greatest. And the truth is Mikey and Racheli. <laughs> Mikey is amazing friends with uh, Kalev and Mikey and Racheli. While they don't deserve all the credit, they deserve a lot of the credit behind the shidduch. And it's an amazing thing when your oldest two daughters um, can can marry two good friends and you're building up a whole base medrash and a chevra within your home. And it's it's a great bracha. We don't take lightly. We're deeply grateful to HaKadosh Baruch So thank you. And thank you guys for coming on. And um, you have a message for young people out. Let's make this educational, informative. A message for, for friends, colleagues, young people about dating. Everybody should think of making shidduchim, think of other people. Well, what's your message? You. <laughs> um, I think it's important for everyone to always have in mind and don't try to stay too like self-centered in dating because a lot of people, the more people that talk about it, the more people that know each other, you make a lot of shit up and very important. Beautiful. That's a beautiful, beautiful. message. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you for
father-in-law just let us know we can help you out yeah we got your back <laughs> thank you guys thank you guys so much for coming on and if you don't mind the next 15 minutes or so just putting a good word for me for for when this is over <laughs> love you guys mazel tov mazel tov, mazel tov. all right wow great dude what's it what's it like what's it like you both have married daughters rabbi goberg your daughters got engaged what's what, what does that feel like it makes you old quickly but it's um it's a beautiful thing. It makes you feel very blessed, very blessed. And I think of the parents out there who are desperate for their children and uh, we daven for them. We, we hope everybody can find their other half, those who are looking. We want uh, people to find their basher and we want parents to uh, know the experience of marrying off their children. And, and I, I think that for Yechevet and I, we take that, that, that's very much on our minds all the time is that while we feel blessed, we want to be sensitive to the people who uh, are hopeful to be in that situation soon. And so we think of them and daven for them. And, and I think that we shouldn't freeze Shiduchim, you know, part of this Simcha. And I don't know if you want to go there now, but, you know, there, there are people, I knew that we were you know, being in the public, in the public, uh, light that that there were people who would be critical or question or why couldn't they wait to get engaged and you're the one who said that new yorkers shouldn't come to florida i remember i had somebody starting to throw a brick through the window for saying that so what are you hypocrite people today already text and the person actually wrote on twitter but don't worry i reported them that i'm a hypocrite i tell everybody they can't come from new york and then clearly they were dating so there's nuance to it and, and we did everything in consultation with some of the experts today um, we're so grateful to Rabbi Dr. Glatt and, and Dr. Stuart Dietrich and a local a head of a, of a COVID ICU. And we didn't make a move without them. And the first question I asked all of them when the relationship was progressing and, and, and Kalev was still up north was, is there a way to do this safely? Because if we can't, we'll wait six months or six years or whatever it would take. We would never compromise their health, our health, or the community's health by doing it. And they were very adamant. Rabbi Willig feels very strongly that if a relationship's ready to progress and there's a healthy way to do it, life has to go on. People need simcha too. And that's not fair because it could damage and harm. And that's, that's not fair. So obviously the key thing is there has to be a, a proper and healthy and a way to do it within guidelines, which we don't need to get into the details that they, they all, they all uh, supported and they all oversaw and they all endorsed. And that's how it was all done. And it's just a crazy thing. If you would have asked me when my daughter got engaged, would I need to, in the Mazel Tov message, include a summary of how we did it and essentially a defense of our family, I would have told you you're insane. But that's part of the, the crazy upside down world we're living in. But even with people- that, there's still people that are going to be critical. And I just don't understand why they do that. Saying it's like your greatest day. You're so happy. It's your daughter gets engaged. There's some people out there that are just like, they can't. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because don't give up. Because maybe their kids are in New York and they're desperate to see them or they have a grandchild who's staying far away. Or and, and you know what? I empathize. It's not easy. And maybe they look and they say, well, why was it good enough for you? So the answer to that, by the way, may be that um, there are other extenuating circumstances in which you can follow guidelines that include quarantining and testing. And there are healthy ways if you do it within the rules to do it. Um, so, you know, what, what, I, what we remain and we stay strong is that people, this is not a time to vacation in Florida. If you're coming down Stam to vacation, this is not the time. If you're coming down to get away, you're coming down because there's a pool, you're coming down because you know someone who has a house, this is not the time. But if you're coming down, not, not just us, I've actually counseled other people about this. If there are extenuating circumstances and really timely circumstances, then there are ways to do it. And, and that's the nuance that we need the public and we need to live with is that you can't look at everything in one big lump way. There's, there's some nuance in it and there are responsible ways to do it. And it's hard. So someone just posted the question that I was going to ask you. I'll, I'll modify it a little bit. Um, you are obviously a very public personality. Um, and sometimes your private life um, plays out in public and there's a tension between the two of them. And you and I have discussed that ad nausea over the last week. What happens when there's a tension between those two? 
Um, you want to give people a little bit of an insight into what it's like to, to live in a glass bowl, to raise a family in a grass, glass bowl, to, to be in a situation where your private decisions have public communal impacts and you have to weigh all of those factors back and forth with each other? You know, it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't want to make this about me. I, I really, last week we talked about our anniversary and this week, Baruch Hashem, we have the simcha. I want to talk about you and really talk about our public. But um, so let's talk in the abstract, not the particular simcha. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. And I, as, as Yechevet and I have had sleepless nights for the last couple of weeks trying to figure this out, even before the last couple of weeks, whether it was even possible. And we're, the, the thing that we were asking ourselves is, is it fair to punish our family because of our public role? So if, if, if he can't come because nobody can come and there's no safe way to do it, then that's a reality everybody would have to contend with. But if I wasn't the rabbi and Yechev wasn't the Rebetzin and they weren't the rabbi's kids um, and there was a safe way to do it, would we not hesitate? Then is it fair to hesitate to them now. And I know you ask that of yourself all the time also with your children is, is there's amazing benefits. They're incredible benefits to being rabbi's children. They get opportunities and they get exposed to people and, and they're amazing benefits. And I wouldn't trade it in. And I believe that my children wouldn't trade it in for anything in the world. But uh, while there are benefits, there are also challenges to it. And it's, it's something which is hard. How do you feel about it? Robert Brody, you want to take this one? Listen, you know, I like to think that I just do what I believe is best for my family, but you do have to weigh what others are going to uh, think. But at the end of the day, you do what's best and that's it. Don't look back. I don't read those comments. When someone makes a comment, delete them, delete the email, delete the comment, delete the friend. I don't need you on. No, as a, so as a it's friend not always a comment. Critical. You know, like I, I, I notice that when I, let's say I'm coming down from the Bima with my, my child. And someone comes over to my child and says, you, you sat so nicely, or weren't you so cute up there when you were jumping up and down on a, on a chair? So I know that there's a little piece of my child that says, come on, does every, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the show need to comment about my behavior? Um, so, so it is challenging for, for children to live their lives played out in the public sphere. Um, but I agree with you. You know, For me, one of the things that I try to do is always communicate that to my children, right? And as I always make it clear that the lines of communications are open, they can share with me what frustrates them. I'll try to explain it to them as much as I can. And, and one of the things I've learned from you is uh, explain it to my children, that there are enormous benefits and, and there are challenges that come along with it. And that's like everything in life. Exactly. But I think that's why it's our job. And I know all three of us try to do it and we have the opportunities to do it is whatever benefit. And, and, and I would ask the people listening to appreciate and understand that sometimes you see rabbis get certain opportunities other people don't have. So let's say we have members who have a boat and invite us to use their boat, maybe even have a private plane and give us a ride on their plane somewhere. Um, we have members who, who give our children their, their sports tickets, their season tickets to a sporting event that they're not using. And people will say, oh, it's good to be the rabbi. It's good to be the rabbi's children. Look what you get. You know, you got a free bottle of wine or somebody sent you books or you got to go uh, to the sporting event. Shabbos and, light. You, know, you got the Shabbos light, you know, and you know, you get, you get a consult on a million dollar life insurance policy with uh, Mark Bienenfeld of uh, blsfinancial.com. You, you get opportunities. And you know what the answer to them is? You're a million percent right. We, there are those great opportunities. But do you know the price for those opportunities? It costs a lot more than what that season ticket would cost for our children, right? They, they've lost their parents a lot of time with us. They've lost privacy and certain boundaries. Um, you and I both know there are people who show up the other night. Um, I was actually up and with my kid 1 a.m. and my phone rang. I was dealing with something. You, you, your children, they share you and they have to share parts of themselves and they have to live with a lot of eyes on them. I've had periods where my kids didn't want to come to shul because they said, you know, everyone else gets to go to shul and just daven. When I come to shul, I feel a lot of eyeballs on me. So, um, or, uh, or drushes, you know, we think that when we reference something from the family, it resonates, it makes us accessible no, no. to people, but you know, I've come home and had, had problems after that. <laughs> so, 
So our I mean, my point is that we, we our children share us. Afternoon, right? Yeah, they, they pay a big price for those privileges that they have, and and the people who only see the kids the rabbi's kids having privileges, but they don't see the price they pay. They're only seeing half the story. And this was a real example of that for us was trying to look in the mirror, be honest with ourselves. And, and Rabbi Brody, like you said, live with ourselves and our decision, figure out what's right and what's the right way to do it. And it's not, it's not always easy. I, I hope people would just sympathize that it's not always easy. So part of this was, what do you do with your children? And then part of it is, how do you live with, right? So a couple of people made snide comments today, even on the day of our simcha, they had to get that text in and, and had to just give that zinger on the side. And I know they probably wrote to you guys even more offline from me. And I'll tell you in this way, in this way, my skin's gotten thicker over the years, but here's the tragedy of that. And then I'll turn it back to you and we got to start heading towards the close. The tragedy of our skin getting thicker is that it's a disservice to our members. Because what makes us good rabbis or what makes a rabbi a good rabbi is, is feeling, is being genuine, is, 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 is crying, is, is, is taking it personally and seriously. So the, the more, you can't have it both ways, right? You know, if we have thicker skin in order to be able to not take to heart some of those comments, then it's just going to make us a little bit more callous and cold in order to connect with you when you need us. So you don't want us to be that way. And if you don't want us to be that way, then also honor and respect that, that maybe what you think is just a casual little comment, your little zinger, it can hurt. So it's that balance of trying to figure out whether to grow thick skin even though that will have unintended consequences or try to keep your skin thin. I don't know how far this metaphor goes and it'll make you a better <laughs> rabbi. It'll make you a better rabbi. But it makes, it makes you vulnerable to getting black and blue. All right. Anyway, what do you guys think? The rabbi, we were talking about this today, right? About going back to shul, how it's so nice that our kids get to be with us a lot more and going back. Yeah. They're going to. Yeah. Uh, yeah right? We were talking, you know, for, for my children, I have younger children than the two of you. I mean, you have young children, but I don't have older children yet. But uh, predominantly, their their relationship with me and Shul is me running out of the house, right? I'm running out of the house in the morning for Shachris. I'm running out of the house for Minchamarav at night, which always comes either during dinner, bedtime, or bath time, um, inevitably. So that's their relationship to that. In, in coronavirus has been a real eye-opening experience for them of what happens when daddy's not always running out to meetings. Yeah. To, and even when we have meetings on Zoom, it's very different. You don't have to... You don't have to get there five minutes early. You're not getting in the car. It's a very different experience to just pop into your other room and to be able to talk from there. Yeah, Yechevet overhears our, our debates and she is, um, she's dreading. She misses the shul like crazy. And I actually wrote my article for this week as a love letter to the shul, not the people, uh, but the building itself, what I miss about it. And, and I, I desperately miss the shul. You do, we do, she does. So on the one hand, she's desperate for us to be back, but she's also like, I know that when it opens, it's basically Zygazim. It was nice knowing you. And there's a, it's been amazing, this part of it. So it's, it's, it's complicated. Let me close by saying this. We're not having this conversation so that anybody has sympathy for us. We know you love us. We love you. Don't feel like you need to comfort us or sympathize with us. We appreciate it. We're we're having it to give you a little insight behind the Bema in some of the decisions and some of the thinking that that goes on. Again, don't feel bad for us. We have the greatest, most blessed lives. Best. We are the dear Rabbi Brody, Rabbi Maskot, and I, the three of us, are among the closest friends. We have a great time. We have the greatest lives. We love our job. We love everything about it. So don't feel bad for us. We wouldn't trade it for anything in the entire world. We got about a minute to go. Closing thoughts, rabbis. I'm still going with the Omer. First time I think I actually might make it. I don't think I've ever made it to Shavuos with all uh, 49. That's transparent. Thank you for that honesty. We appreciate that. Very excited. Appreciate that honesty. Rabbi Moskowitz, closing thought? I'm still going as well. I've never not gone the whole way. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to make it there this time as well. Um, I'm, um, yeah, you know, 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Shul opening again. I'm looking forward to seeing people and to Minyanim. And uh, I'm looking forward to taking parts of what I learned over this experience alongside with me. And that's your great article. Rabbi Moskowitz, we talked about last week, has become a prolific author. He wrote another uh, great blah, article blah, blah. this week. Check out his latest great article online. You don't want to miss it. It's really, it's really fantastic, and it's worth, uh, it's worth checking it out and, uh, and thinking about all this. I'll tell you this, Rabbi Moskowitz, have you missed having to make that bracha and remember what night of the Omer it is every oh, night for the show? Every year. You want to go behind the bima? Let me tell, let me tell our listeners something. If you're a rabbi, it's not the Rosh Hashanah drasha. It's not the Yom Kippur drasha. It's not Sukkot, you know, getting hakafas right. The most stressful part of the rabbinate is getting the night of Sviras Omer correct when you have to make the bracha in front of the entire show. Hands down. Hands yeah, down. the few times I've, I've had to do it and I go to like someone like Shimmy and then I know there's a good chance whoever I ask, say, what was last night? What was last night? There's a good chance whoever I'm asking is going to totally play a joke on me. <laughs> no, and then, hold on. And then I know people are thinking, they said, look at your phone, right? Just look at, so the problem is you look at your you phone and then you, you wonder, is right. that yesterday? Like, has, right. it, has right. it switched yet? Have we reached Shkia yet? People don't know. Switched? Trauma, trauma, panic, <laughs> gastrointestinal challenge. It's, you're looking at that phone, the whole show's quiet, they're waiting for you and you're kind of like, Hayom, Shabbat <laughs> <laughs> And then when you don't get yelled at, you're like, phew. Anyone's going to yell at you. I have not missed that at all, at all, that part of it. But uh, yeah, the sphere has been fine. Let's close again. Thank Mark Bienenfeld. Mark, you're the best. Thanks, BLS Financial. All your financial needs. There's no time like the present. Make sure that you're taking care of your family, life insurance policy, uh, disability policy, uh, long-term care policy, whatever you need, Mark can take care of you. Uh, Really, this is the time. Uh, If you enjoy our show, if you enjoy our show, help us out. Because I'll tell you, we've got some exciting news. Last week, our, our last week was the first episode that's now a podcast. It's up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Spotify. You could listen to us on all the podcast players. Please, if you like it, if you enjoy it, rank it. Move it, move it up the rankings. All you have to do is like it. Give it, give it a positive rating. And share. Share with all your friends. And share it. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Our friend Matthew's texting us. Matthew. Wow. We love Matthew. Matthew's going to come back on. We should talk to Matthew about the loss of his... Of his pet this week. I know that was a big deal in his family. Maybe next week we'll no, come I'm not getting a lot of sympathy from me. Sorry. No, it's bad. It was harsh. <laughs> Listen, Tova was very close with. But Matthew, Matthew's reminding us, what's more stressful, counting the Omer or having to light the menorah and sing Hanera's Halalu? <laughs> no, no, Hanera, that's a close one, by the way. Leading we have a chazan for that, though. We have, we have moved over to a kibud of appointing a chazan, chazan Hanera Salalu. It's a new position in the Jewish people that has been created at the Bokerton Synagogue from a lack of having a Masora, a tradition of a gatun. Anyway, we've gone over our time. We've been promising to keep it an hour. Thank you, Mark Bienenfeld. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Modi, for joining us. Again, we don't endorse everything he said, but we do appreciate his being on and his great sense of humor and keeping us all laughing. Thank you, Rabbi Moskowitz. Thank you, Rabbi Brody. I'm Rabbi Goldberg. Thank you for coming behind the bima and reminding you. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.